Friends, hello. I am in quite a mood today. To be honest, I'm recording this the day before Thanksgiving. I have had too much caffeine today, as I do too often. And I don't have an exact plan going into this episode. Like, I have a rough plan, but I don't have all my notes written out and everything, which makes for, I would argue, my most fun podcast episodes and also my most out there, kind of sometimes just all over the place episodes. So you know it's going to be a good time. If you haven't been here for the podcast before, this is Seems Like Diet Culture. My name is Mallory Page. I'm a registered dietitian, and I'm also the host of this lovely podcast. And if you have not listened, the whole premise of this podcast is to discuss wellness, diet culture, nutrition trends, exercise, and talk about all of the things that we see, such as tips and tricks and trends and influencers telling you different rules that you need to follow and all of the stuff that essentially makes you confused as crap. And yes, I know crap sounds ridiculous, but I don't cuss on this podcast because then, I don't know, Apple does something to make it less findable. I'm not sure. I don't know how the Apple podcast gods out there work. But regardless, the things that make you very confused about how you should eat, move your body, what you should listen to, what you should not listen to, And every single week, we explore a different one of these topics and how it relates to diet culture. And the topics span across so many different areas. But some weeks, I kind of like to do an offshoot type of podcast that, of course, still relates to diet culture. Because honestly, let's be real. What doesn't relate to diet culture in some way when we're talking about food or exercise or body image? But also relates to my audience on Instagram. And I know many of you guys from Instagram are here listening to the podcast, and I know some of you guys on the podcast follow me on Instagram, but I know there's also some people that don't overlap. And so if you're not aware, my podcast really caters to those that are struggling with disordered eating, eating disorders. Maybe they've dieted their whole life, so they're just trying to fix their relationship with food and overall become the best version of themselves. That's always what my goal is, at least when I work with people, because that's what I do for a living is I have a program called Live Unrestricted where I help people to heal their relationship with these different things, food, exercise, body image, etc. which if you ever want to find me on Instagram or work with me, Both of those things, Live Unrestricted and my Instagram, are always linked below in the show notes. I don't know why I say below. I think that's a YouTube habit because it's not technically below, is it? But regardless, because Thanksgiving was last week from when you're listening to this, actually exactly a week from today, if you're listening on the day this comes out, I was scouring my brain for what a good topic would be because we have a lot of heavy hitting topics coming up where I do a lot of research into them. An example is like Ozempic, the diabetes drug that people are using right now. I should say medicine. Drug is strong, but it's how it's being used for weight loss, right? Like I have that coming up. There's a lot of research that goes into a topic like that that I'm going to look into. But there's also times where I just kind of want to share some tips and tricks that could be helpful to you guys. And so with that being said, I felt like talking about food guilt was such a good episode for this week. Because even if you're not feeling food guilt today, I think that there is a time 
where most people in the world experience a level of food guilt. And this could be for a number of different reasons. It could be for something as straightforward as struggling with your relationship with food or having an eating disorder and having food guilt when you eat a fear food, right? Or this could be as complicated as having food guilt because you feel like you ate more than you typically would just on a day out with friends and you don't typically struggle with it, but your body isn't feeling very good. And so that feeling comes up, right? There's just so many different ways that this can show up. And I want to give my perspective on food guilt in a short and concise episode. I say that every time, but we'll see how it goes. To help you guys during those moments where you feel like it's coming up really intensely and you just need something to listen to to bring you back. So let's just dive into it right now. As I kind of explained, food guilt can look a lot of different ways. So in order to have this conversation, we need to talk about guilt. And you may be thinking, Mallory, is it really necessary to break down guilt? But I would argue it is, and here is why. So when we look at Merriam-Webster and find the definition of guilt, the first definition that you're going to see is the fact of having committed a breach of conduct, especially violating law and involving a penalty. Why do I even bring this up? Because I think that it's important to distinguish the definition of guilt that happens when someone breaks the law, right? They are guilty of doing something wrong versus what we experience as guilt. So the second definition is the state of one who has committed an an offense, especially consciously. So this second part to this definition is feelings of deserving blame, especially for imagined offenses or from a sense of inadequacy, also known as self-reproach or another way to think about that. So why I go through this is because it's important to distinguish that when we are experiencing food guilt, We are experiencing the second definition here. And you may be thinking, oh my gosh, Molly, this is so stupid. Like, I know that. But why I want to bring this up is to make note of the fact that this is a self-offense. This is self-reproach. This is something that you are feeling like you deserve based off of your own idea of what is okay and not okay. So what does this look like when it comes to food guilt, you may think? So I created a definition around food guilt that I think really makes sense when you put it into this context, which is when you eat something that breaks the ethical or moral code you've created around food. And to be honest, I would expand this to when you drink something, when you eat an amount that you think is too much over the day or in a meal, there can be a lot more definitions than just one type of food itself. But what I want to drive home about this idea of food guilt is that you are the only one that can create food guilt. Yes, it can be influenced by other things that you see in the media, that you hear from others, or whatever it is, but These are our own morals, and that is why I could eat a burrito and feel 100% about it and have no food guilt at all. Someone else could eat a burrito and feel just riddled with food guilt. That's the same reason why we have 
ketotarians that think it's horrible to eat carbs that feel guilt if they do. And we have extreme people like Freely the Banana Girl that think that carbs are the only thing that you should eat, right? So we can see how this idea of universal guilt from a specific food is not actually real and that the power is really in our hands. And I think that that can both be freeing and can feel good as you hear that. And it can also be super frustrating. And so I want to address the frustrated piece of you first, because I know that piece of you may be saying, well, of course I feel food guilt when I eat this food because everybody tells me that this food is bad. And my mom always tells me it's going to make me gain weight. And I look online and I see all of the people saying that this is horrible for me. So yeah, if I eat that, it's going to create guilt. And I get it. I want you to validate that feeling that you're having. I want you to understand that it's okay to recognize that the society that we live in and the rhetoric around food and how diet culture influences that is extremely frustrating and so hard to navigate. And it is okay to acknowledge the effect that those things have had on you and on your relationship with food and all of those different things. It may even take some time to unravel the role that diet culture is playing in your life and that other people may even be playing in your life and your relationship to food guilt. Don't feel like me saying that this is in your hands or in your control at the end of the day is invalidating any of those different things. Now to speak to the second part the part that hopefully in some ways is also helping you to feel motivated. The thought part of you that's thinking, oh my gosh, if I don't have to feel food guilt, does that mean that I could eat these things that I think are quote unquote bad or that typically bring me guilt without feeling that way? Does that mean that I could stop feeling like I had to fall in the same patterns as people around me or as others on the internet? and truly listen to what feels good for me? Because that is also all true. All of those feelings of excitement are valid. It is possible to experience those things. But it's great for me to sit here and explain what food guilt is and the frustration and the diet culture piece and the excitement piece and all of that. And I think there's a different day where we can talk more about how diet culture influences the food guilt that we feel and all the social media influencers and rhetoric out there and education, quote unquote, that makes us feel this way. But what I want this to be are the steps that you can take when you're feeling food guilt and also how to get out of it. So let's talk about first, how the heck do we deal with food guilt? How do we get rid of it? This process takes time, and I actually have a free training that talks a lot more about this. I can link it down below. It's three days that you can go through. They're short presentations, and it's chock full of information that I use in all of my programs, so I'll link that below. But at the core of it, breaking down food guilt is simple. Does that mean that it's easy? No. Is it simple? Yes. And what I mean by simple is that really what we have to do is understand what is it that's causing me guilt? 
Maybe it's a certain amount of food is at a meal. Maybe it's a category of food. Maybe it's a specific food. Maybe it's eating in scenarios that aren't quote-unquote special occasions. Whatever it is, you're going to identify that and then you are going to tackle it. How are you going to tackle it? Well, let's use an example of something that's just a food. So maybe you feel like you have food guilt around ice cream. And there could be a whole number of reasons why you have food guilt around ice cream. You could think that the quote unquote, the ingredients are quote unquote not good enough. Sorry, I added the quote unquote a little bit too soon. I got a little excited. So you could think that they're not good enough and that you shouldn't eat them. It could be because of the calories. It could be because when you eat it, you feel like you're out of control. It could be because your mom told you when you were young that you shouldn't eat ice cream, right? There could be a number of different reasons why. And it can be helpful to even kind of sit with why it does bring you guilt. Maybe you journal about it. Maybe you talk to someone about it, right? Obviously, if you have a team or a dietitian that you're working with or friends that get it or family members that do, you can talk it out, right? But also know that you can do this on your own too, or even just sit and kind of think about why that is. So you kind of understand, okay, why is this bringing me guilt? Then we're going to think like, is everything here the same in terms of difficulty? So what does that mean? Well, maybe you really want to try ice cream, but you have an extreme fear of dairy right now. And the idea of having dairy ice cream is so scary to you that it prevents you from even trying. But you want to do it, right? At least eventually. And then you have non-dairy ice cream that you feel like is scary but less scary because you don't also have to work through the extreme fear of dairy in itself. So you can take those two things and you can say, you know what, I'm going to start off, even though it's not my end goal, I'm going to start off with non-dairy ice cream as working through it for my my food guilt. And you're going to implement that. Maybe you buy a container and you have it two times a week as a goal. Maybe you go out to eat with someone and get the ice cream, whatever it is. And then over time, you build up to the dairy ice cream. And then over time, as you do that more and more, you realize through all of the times where you've created trust with your mind and your body that you don't feel like you are so out of control around it, that you recognize that your body can still feel good and thrive, that you understand how having a food like ice cream can build connection in your life and really help you to feel like your best self, you start to feel more neutral to that food where you can recognize that, yeah, ice cream is not the same thing as broccoli, But you can have ice cream or broccoli and not have a negative reaction of guilt because you recognize that when you are craving something, when you recognize that it can be helpful for you in that moment or fulfill what you need, there's no need to feel guilty about it because it's no longer breaking that moral or ethical code you have because it's no longer bad or associated with being bad in that ethical moral or ethical code. Jeez Louise. So that's an example of what this would look like. And now if you feel like, holy moly, I have so many areas that I would have to do that in. That is the time where I would really suggest working with someone on this because they can help you to determine all the different areas that you need to do this in and step you through how to do it and all of that stuff. But I know some of you guys may be just trying to work through something that's coming up a little bit more in close proximity, right? And you just want to be able to start and feel like, all right, I'm going to work through this. 
So it's all fine and dandy to recognize that we can work through food guilt through these steps. And I will say it's pretty hard to overcome food guilt without taking those steps. I will say you don't have to do it with like every single food and every single thing that creates guilt, but you do need to start the process. But even when you do that, there may be these times when you're doing it or outside of your healing where you truly feel good that food guilt will pop up. Because when you start eating the ice cream, you may still have guilt and it takes time to get rid of that. So then the question is, okay, well, what the heck do I do when this guilt comes up. Now, the tools that you are going to use, they're going to be different than maybe what someone else is going to use because different things work for different people when it comes to this area. A few that I would try to utilize would be number one, and this is the most important thing, do not take compensatory mechanisms. This will always make you feel better in the moment. I shouldn't say always. Oftentimes, you'll think it will make you feel good in the moment, but it doesn't end up actually helping you to feel better. What do I mean by that? You eat a food that causes you guilt. Let's say you do the ice cream thing. Then, or you eat a meal that you feel like is too much. So then you say, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to work this off. That is just enforcing the whole idea that you are punishing yourself for doing something wrong. You say, I feel guilt because I did something wrong with food, so I am going to act on that to try to make it better. That is what continues the cycle of guilt because then you are just feeding the two things into each other. Yes, I know that it's often very hard not to fall back into the old cycles, but it will make such a big difference if you don't, and it will stop the perpetuation of the guilt that comes up. So that's number one. And you may need to get other people involved. Of course, if you have a team, like a dietitian, a therapist, other people that you're working with, amazing, you can utilize them. But maybe it's even someone in your life, like your parents, a friend, a a lay person that you just feel like you're both trying to go through the same thing that you can have as an accountability person to work through this. And you can text them and you're like, hey, I'm feeling guilt, just need some accountability to not fall back into old patterns. Now, number two, let's use some justification in these moments. Do we want to feel like we have to justify eating these foods in the long term as the end goal? No, but we need to meet ourselves where we are at, right? The end goal is not always one step away from the starting point. That's just unrealistic. And we're better off taking steps than we are convincing ourselves that because we're not doing what we want to do at the end, that what we're doing is useless. So some of the things that you may need to tell yourself are related to the fears behind the food guilt. What do I mean by that? There is so much more behind food guilt than what meets the eye. Because yeah, you may think, oh, I heard from people this food is bad for me, so I should feel guilty. But why does that make you feel like you should feel guilty? Is it because you're afraid of weight gain? Is it because you're afraid of your gut health being bad? Is it because you feel like you won't be quote unquote healthy enough if you do that? What is it behind that guilt that we're really trying to understand? So in that moment, you may need to use some justification with yourself. You may need to remind yourself having ice cream is not going to make me gain weight. All I did was have ice cream 
that's it. One meal, one snack, one day, one week will not change my weight or actually change my body. Do we actually want to be afraid of our body changing in the long run if it's meant to, or even just in general if it's not meant to and you're just enjoying life? No, we don't want to be afraid of that. But do we sometimes need to talk to ourselves where we're at? Yes. What's another example of this? You could remind yourself in that moment that, you know what is actually the worst for my gut health is stressing about what I'm eating. And I know that being in a stressed out mindset is actually what can create the reactions within my gut. So even if there is a gut reaction, I know that I'm making it worse by right now by stressing about it. And then maybe you pair that with some deep breaths or talking to someone about it, right? You can put in something else within that justification to make it even stronger. So you can kind of imagine how that would happen in multiple different areas to help you to understand that that fear that you're having is not valid and not real because they're never real. The same thing happens when you go to look in the mirror and you've convinced yourself that you've gained 20 pounds in a day. That's simply not possible. So telling yourself that and reminding yourself of that, even if you don't fully believe it in that moment, is still working on changing the thought pattern that is ingrained in your head. So that's something that's going to be useful with food guilt is that justification element to the conversation. Now, in terms of the emotional way to deal with food guilt, there are a few different tactics that I like to use here. And this is going to depend on to depend on where you're at. So there is one way that you can look at this and you can say, you know what? I really want to understand why I'm dealing with this guilt. You know, like what is it that is making me feel so guilty when I'm having this? Maybe this is an area or like a food that you didn't expect to bring up guilt or you just feel like you're a little bit in the dark about why the reaction is so strong. And the way to understand that is, of course, to not act on it, but also to sit with that emotion. Because so much of the time, our guilt, as I was saying, is really a surface level emotion or feeling to so many other things underneath it. So you can sit with that feeling, maybe journal about it, talk to someone about it, as I've said, just kind of have that moment of inquiry with yourself. That is not something that we can or should do all the time. It will exhaust us and it will make us feel sometimes really down and like we're doing a horrible job. And it can even bring us into a dangerous place, which can be shame. And guilt is having that emotion and maybe having that emotion of guilt in relation to your own morals, as we've said, but shame is where it crosses into who you think you are as a person. And we don't want to get too deep into shame based off of our actions. We never want to be in shame, but that's when it can start to to go that way. Another time you wouldn't want to sit with these emotions is when you're already not in a very good mental health space. That is not a good time to do this. A good time would be when you feel like you're in a pretty good mental health space. Maybe you have some support around you and you feel like you are genuinely interested in finding out some more. So what is the other option then if you don't really want to sit with it? I know that it goes against what I just said in the one before, but it is distractions. Guys, distractions are huge and can be so freaking helpful. I swear they are an underrated tool. What would a distraction look like? It would look like 
instead of sitting with this feeling of guilt and ruminating over it, grabbing a book, reading, watching TV, talking to a friend, like calling someone on the phone, playing with your animals, painting, cooking, I don't know, anything. Like, that doesn't have to be a specific thing. I don't want it to feel like it has to be, like, some wellnessy activity that's, like, improving your entire life. Like, it can just be whatever you want. I know that a lot of the time people will go towards walks, and I get the draw towards walks, and I believe that walks totally can have a benefit on mental health, but I would really urge you when it comes to food guilt specifically to try to stray away from it because it's still using exercise or movement in some way and connecting that with the guilt, and it can still create a negative association. But if you feel like you still are yearning for that walk, then go outside and just chill. That's another great way to have the same type of you know, mindset around um, getting that like fresh air without actually having to do the walking portion of it. Maybe sometimes you need to get outside yourself because you may be isolated. You're at home. Could you go to a cafe, you know, and, and go sit somewhere? Could you just change up your environment? Anything to help you in that moment. And this is part of the reason why I also really, really encourage you to implement different ways of challenging food guilt. So doing it with someone that you really enjoy their company. If you go to get ice cream on your own, that's so cool. And that's like a new type of challenge. But if you're just trying to get into it and you're a little bit scared about the guilt, go with someone. Don't be afraid of utilizing your resources and implementing distractions in order to make this easier. And this is the fourth thing that I want to remind you guys when you're thinking about food guilt. And it's something that I feel is so fundamental to understanding why we don't need to have guilt around any food and why no foods are actually good and bad. It's because every single food in the entire world serves a different purpose. And actually, that purpose can be different for every single person. And this is why we cannot ever just draw completely conclusive science about nutrition because we are all so unique that there is no such thing as something that is universally good or bad for anyone. And why do I say this? Like in a logistical sense, it's because when you look at the way that food can serve us, there are multiple different areas in which it can serve us. That sounded repetitive. Stick with me. Yes, food can serve as fuel. And those freaking influencers that say food is fuel and not say you should never eat anything unless it's fuel. It literally grinds my gears. Like it makes me want to pull my hair out. Food is not just fuel though. Food is also nourishment, which is another one that a lot of people will talk about where it can give you the nutrients that you need, of course, right? So we have fuel, we have our macronutrients, we have nourishment where we get the micronutrients more. But there is also culturally how food can serve us, right? We see this so obviously of how different types of food can make us feel different types of things and also bring different cultures together. It can help us with connection. What does that look like? It looks like going out to eat with a friend and feeling like because you can share that meal together and not be stressed about what you're eating, that you can truly enjoy it so much more than you would other times. Or maybe you wouldn't have even gone because your food guilt was so strong, so you wouldn't even have that point of connection. Another way that it can serve us is just joy. Food 
can and should bring us joy. And it is not a bad thing for food to bring us joy. It's not supposed to just be a necessity. It is a tool that we are given in our lives. And it's interesting that we put so much emphasis on how exercise can bring us joy, but we don't allow for food to bring us joy. And there are times where we take exercise way too far to a point where it is not good for us. And we know that, but we still say, oh, but it's joyful for me. I enjoy it. But if we have a food that we don't think is the most nourishing thing out there, then that's not okay, even if it brings us joy. So how does that make sense? And how do you feel like diet culture is at play there, right? So we can also have that element of it where it's bringing us joy. It can also be something that we utilize as an experience, So an experience is where you get to go travel somewhere. And when you're traveling, you get to try all different types of foods without feeling that guilt because you recognize how much having those experiences is serving you in the win compared to the negative that you may have perceived in the past about having a food that you didn't deem as quote-unquote good. And the truth about all of these different areas and something I continue to want to drive home with food is that most of you guys listening to this podcast have too much knowledge about the ways that food is connected to your health. Do I believe that food is so important for health? Of course I do but not just in the way that we hear. I think yes food is important for fuel and for nourishment but it's also important in all those other areas. And why is that? Because what we've come to notice is that the ways in which our health or the predictors of our health that are the most obvious that we can look at and continually say, if we have this, we will have healthier, longer lives. Our connection to other people's and other people's, other people in a community and also reduce stress. So if you are so stressed about food, or having so much food guilt that it is not only affecting your mental health in general, which we know is awful for us, it is also affecting your ability to connect with others and therefore affecting your community and the people that you can surround yourself with, your support, and then coincidentally creating more stress not only around those experiences, but also in your life. How can you really argue that obsessing about every single ingredient and how much that you're eating and all of those different things is truly better for you than allowing yourself to not demonize any specific type of food and truly begin to learn to tap into yourself. I don't want to act like in any way that this episode has every tip out there that you could ever need about working through food guilt, but I do hope that at the least it helped you just a little bit today because food guilt sucks and especially when it starts to move into shame. And if you are dealing with this really consistently, I really hope that you do seek out support. My program Live Unrestricted would be amazing for you, life-changing if you were listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, I need help with this. But even if this was an event that doesn't occur very often for you and you just need a little bit of support, I hope that this helped to bring you out of that negative mindset that you were experiencing. So, 
I really appreciate you listening today and sticking with me. If there are questions that you have about this, please, please reach out. I am always here to talk and answer anything that's on your mind. If you enjoyed this or if you feel like there's someone in your life that may need to hear this, I would love if you shared this with them or gave this podcast a rating or review on Spotify or Apple. It means so much to me when you do that. If you liked this type of episode where we talk about something that's a little bit more related to disordered eating, but also connected to diet culture, definitely let me know because I formulate the episodes in this podcast around which you guys are wanting to hear and see and what is the most helpful to you. So I love you guys. Thank you for being here and I will see you next week.